and monks and what monks is right speech abstinence from false speech abstinence from malicious speech abstinence from harsh speech abstinence from idle chatter this is called right speech a noble disciple gives up false speech and abstains from it. By abstaining from false speech, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. After all these years of practice, I still consider right speech to be PhD level <laughs> practice, maybe even postgraduate, <laughs> postdoctoral. Uh, it just is, it's hard. And I, um, I think, you know, to a degree, it's because we just, you know, talk a lot. <laughs> That's what we have to do. As humans in community, we really uh, are, are talking quite a bit, interacting with each other, using our words as we um, are teaching our kids, use your words. But maybe, <laughs> maybe using our actions. It makes a lot of sense <laughs> when we get older rather than using our words. My 11-year-old um, just got a phone. This is a rite of passage. He was supposed to be older, but a parental rite of passage is, uh, <clears throat> is succumbing. <laughs> to your child's needs and desires once in a while. Uh, and we were really resistant to it. You know, a phone nowadays is a portal to um, everything really. And um, that's what it can use up a lot of a person's time. And it means it's about social capital and all the things. We know as adults that um, we have trouble with our phones, putting them down, putting them away, shutting them off, you know, letting go of the things that we see on our phones that come through that portal into our minds, into our hearts. Um, so <clears throat> then sort of opening that portal or bits and pieces of that portal uh, for my for my kiddo has is is difficult for me and I want to I want to be as skillful about it as possible so of course I uh, before we did get him a phone I consulted you know the internet I consulted my phone <laughs> and my friends uh, parents of middle schoolers um, the parenting books I consulted all the all the beings that I thought would be helpful. And, you know, they really were. And then ultimately we made a, 
you know, a decision that was both in this day and age, both that was informed and arbitrary. There's no right way uh, to kind of move through these milestones. I think there are some wrong ways, but as far as I can tell, there's no right way. Um, but it occurred to me at some point uh, that the rules, the, the guidelines, the boundaries of uh, right speech of what the Buddha called skillful speech, which is one of the factors of the Eightfold Path that uh, leads practitioners to liberation, uh, just applies to these little gadgets as much as anything else. And you know, so I was, I was trying to talk to my kiddo about uh, rules and guidelines and how to um, decide what to use this phone for and you know how to respond to it and react to it and how to put things out into the world and how not to put things out into the world and uh, not surprisingly, the Buddhist teachings on, on right speech uh, came up. You know, so um, abstaining from false speech. So we don't you know, lie about our whereabouts. We don't lie about our friends. We don't uh, lie about our choices. <clears throat> and... Um, Lying by omission is also a thing. You know? <laughs> I see some parents of teens nodding big. <laughs> no, and my kids, uh, they accuse me of using big words. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> lying by omission sounds like a, a legal procedure and we're just a family. Okay, but if you're not supposed to be someplace and you are that place, and you don't tell me you're at that place, then you're lying by omission, you know? And, and as far as the, the Buddhist path, that when we look at the, the factors of the Eightfold Path, you know, the this, this step before right speech is right intention, isn't it? So we ground ourselves and the intention uh, you know, of goodwill and compassion and letting go and skillfulness and wholesomeness. And then you know, we apply the conditions around us to how we interpret and live outright speech. Now I'm always kind of going on at, at my house about you know, this, the spirit of the thing. Let's, let's look at the spirit of the law, the spirit of the guideline, the spirit um, of the boundary. And then, of course, you know, the, the next step on the Eightfold Path is, is right action. So, you know, are you where you're supposed to be? Well, that, that is the action. You know, you're taking a skillful or unskillful action. Let's bring it back to speech. Are you lying about it? Are you omitting it? Um, and I'm not saying this, I'm not accusing my kiddo in this, you know, talk of these things, but it really did occur to me that, you know, outside of any, you know, rules or times or, you know, how to 
um, be with this new piece of technology, actually the Buddha's guidelines the, just apply just fine. <laughs> and um, so then abstaining from malicious speech, abstaining from harsh speech. And, you know, when we speak in the positive about that, we usually say, um, is what you're about to say uh, spoken in kindness, spoken with a mind of kindness? Is it spoken with a mind to bring things, bring people together? Is it, is it spoken in order to divide people? So what, again, coming back to the intention and and so for that, you know, when that came to mind, I, I said, you know, and we can't use the phone to gossip about our friends, to tell stories that don't belong to us, to, you know, talk behind the backs of other people, to divide people or pit them against each other. We just, and my kids, mom, it's not the 80s anymore. People, you know, kids don't act like that. I was like, well, I mean, the Buddha laid this out like 2,600 years ago. People are kind of people, you know. There were people 2,600 years ago. There are people in the 80s, and they're and they're people now. And people don't always speak to each other with a mind of bringing people together, with a mind of harmony. Um, and wholesomeness. They sometimes want to divide other people or make themselves feel better by putting someone else down or, you know, using kind of shocking or ugly language just to get a rise or feel a rise for themselves. And so, you know, we need to, with this piece of technology, abstain from maliciousness, abstain from harshness, no, it's down on it's down on paper, so to speak, once it's out there in the world as a text or a message or a video. And uh, you know, idle chatter. I think telling an eleven-year-old not to engage in idle chatter is <laughs> I mean, I could be climbing that battle, <laughs> climbing that hill for a long time. You know, and, and because really <clears throat> being in community with friends, being part of the group, being um, with others who make us feel good, who enjoy our presence, uh, that fosters a sense of goodness. It fosters a sense of community. It fosters a sense of belonging. And the water cooler talk, the scuttlebutt, you know, the idle chatter um, is to a degree part of that. You know, it's, I think that at least for my kids, uh, or this one, <laughs> it's hard to determine, you know, how much is too much, <laughs> when to be okay with silence, when to be okay with solitude, you know, but those are kind of, those are big skills. Those are high level skills. Those are skills that even um, practitioner, pra practitioners, practicing adults, you know, 
we don't always know when to stop and pause and be in solitude, be quiet, allow things to arise. And I wouldn't necessarily, you know, be asking that of my 11 year old in any specific way. Uh, but, you know, when we speak of it in the positive, abstaining from idle chatter, we ask the question, is it timely? Is it timely? You know, so I was able to say, you know, is it the right time to engage? You know, are you in math class? You know, are you, <laughs> are you just, um, are you uh, supposed to be, you know, contributing to your house right now? Are you supposed to be at the dinner table? Um, <clears throat> are you um, supposed to be uh, doing something else? Is it the right time to be engaged in whatever uh, communication you're engaged in? You know, so we have to break these things down to uh, really simple questions, just really simple questions, yes or no. Is this the right time for this? Am I supposed to be doing something else? Is this something that can wait? Can I do it later? If I wait, what are the consequences? What are the results? You know, we can um, ask of ourselves, we can ask of our loved ones to investigate, um, to look at what happens you know, when they pause. When we pause, when we put something down, when we take a break from communication, is it really uncomfortable? Sometimes when we um, tell the truth, is it really uncomfortable? Is it, um, are we being honest with the people we're with, but also honest with ourselves? Are we being honest with ourselves? I mean, we, I think for me, I can really rationalize a lot, you know? I can um, move from a place that isn't completely honest with myself. And I think that before we, you know, start communicating with, with other people about a topic or something sensitive or some kind of um, difficulty, uh, it, it can be really useful to sit down with ourselves and make sure we're um, being honest, that we're in a place um, to observe and investigate and look at the results and, and be with them when they, when they arise. The sutta on the five on the five precepts that I read from after I read from the Sutta on the Eightfold Path, it says, so it's talking about the, the eight precepts, but we as lay people uh, generally engage in the five precepts. There are, O oh monks, eight streams of merit, streams of wholesome nourishments of happiness that are heavenly, ripening, ripening in happiness, conducive to heaven, 
that lead to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. What are the eight? Oh, I'm sorry, it's the five precepts here and the three refuges. Here monks, the noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Buddha. This is the first stream of merit, the stream of the wholesome nourishment of happiness that is heavenly, ripening and happiness conducive to heaven. That leads to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. Same for a disciple who has gone for refuge uh, to the Dhamma. Same for a disciple who has gone for refuge to the Sangha. It leads to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. There are further amongst these five gifts, pristine of long-standing, traditional, ancient, unadulterated, and never before adulterated that are not being adulterated and that will not be adulterated, not despised by wise ascetics and Brahmins. What are these five gifts? Here monks and noble disciple gives up the destruction of life and abstains from it. By abstaining from the destruction of life, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This is the first of those great gifts and the fourth stream of merit. Giving up the taking of what is not given. Giving up false speech. Giving up intoxicants. Giving up sexual misconduct. Abstaining from these things, according to the Buddha, the Buddha taught, gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, he himself will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. So, you know, in English, taking refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, engaging in the precepts. They are considered to be the road to happiness, streams of merit. And the five precepts are considered by the Buddha to be gifts gifts. So they're our gifts to the world. They are our gifts to immeasurable beings. And in just this way, they are our gifts to ourselves. Being honest with ourselves and being honest with others, that is a gift and it's not comfortable all the time. Sitting in a place that is at least an attempt to be in harmony with other beings, to bring people together at the same time, recognizing it's not our responsibility, you know, necessarily to fix things. 
but it's our responsibility to offer these gifts. To gently persuade ourselves that there is a right time and a wrong time to insert ourselves, to talk, to chat, to speak up, to stay quiet. We don't need to get lost in confusion. Um, and that's the beauty of, for me, that's the beauty of being dedicated to this path is that if we're dedicated to reflecting on the results, then we don't have to be, uh, we don't have to get caught up in decision fatigue. Is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Well, just do it. <laughs> and reflect. No, we don't beat ourselves up if it turns out it wasn't the right choice. It wasn't the right thing to say. It wasn't the right time to say it. it wasn't the right person to say it to. If we move back a step and we're really trying to stay grounded and skillful intention, the intention to be friendly, to, to, to stay grounded in friendliness and compassion and generosity. Then we're gonna make a decision about uh, what we say from that place. And it's gonna go horribly wrong like some percentage of the time. <laughs> this is up this week because it happened to me. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> and um, that stinks, you know. And I'm still sussing it out. I'm still investigating. I'm still looking at the results. I'm still, you know, trying to, to see you know, where I could have kind of refined my approach or done something differently, or said something in a different way or said more or less. But, you know, when we've got this um, practice as a refuge, we can just take a leap. We can trust in our own intentions. And then we can, uh, we can engage in some, <laughs> in some, uh, debriefing with ourselves afterwards and with trusted friends. Oh, hey, I did it like this. It didn't really work. <laughs> what would you have done? What do you think? How could I have, you know, how could I have uh, stuck a little closer to the path here? Oh, I did stick to the path and it still landed the way it did. No? We are doing our best. Sometimes I say to my kids, I'm just a person in the world. <laughs> this isn't about my kids, but you know, I'm just a, a human being with feelings. Like nothing special. You know, we're trying our best. And you know, with this. With this practice, being devoted to this practice, we can feel really good about um, our our efforts, our right efforts, and our and our intentions uh, to to come from a place of friendliness and uh, to 
and to look at the results of the action or the speech that we that we ended up taking.